0: Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's Podcast. In that Christmas service, looking forward to this service tonight, uh, December 15th. Everybody say December 15th. December 15th, that's a Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m uh we will be having our annual christmas banquet uh at the trinity presbyterian church fellowship hall downstairs if you've never been to one of our christmas banquets uh you're going to enjoy this uh there's there's we have a lot of fun we pack a lot into a couple of hours of time uh, set things up my wife and with the help of some of the ladies in the church here decorate it uh, beautifully and uh, the food is superb and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy some of the entertainment that that, uh, is going on there as well and uh, some of the fun games and, and they're just a, it's a time to honor a lot of the folks that do uh, sacrifice all year long in this church I, I promise you this this church is not run uh, simply on a pastor's or a pastor's wife or a pastor's family or even the leadership that you see uh, front and center a lot of times this church has got a lot of people that do a lot of things in, in, in the backgrounds to make us operate. I've already, always said, in my opinion, we're a great big little church. We, we do a lot of things that churches uh, two and three times our size do. And I think we do it with, with excellence. And I'm very thankful for everybody that pitches in and makes those things help. So come on out. That'll be at 4 o'clock, December the 15th, um, at the, the Presbyterian Church's Fellowship Hall couple Hours' time, we'll have it all wrapped up. You'll walk out of there hopefully uh, with a chuckle and a belly full of good food and having a good time. Uh, the Lord wants us to fellowship with each other, and I always enjoy that time of being with the church family. Very busy time of the year, I get it, I understand, but we want to make sure that we all are, can be a part of this if at all possible. Uh, a couple of months ago, we asked if there were some topics. Uh, that you would like for us to touch on uh, in a panel discussion. And uh, uh, you brought up a few topics and we're going to uh, be talking about three of those topics tonight. I'm so very glad to have these two gentlemen along with us, our Assistant Pastor Brother Bryce Jones and our Student Pastor Brother Christian Anglin uh, helping us out on these topics tonight. Uh, there's others that could fill in here very well too. I just uh, We work very closely hand in hand uh, together a lot of times and put these things together and uh, there'll be times when we have panel discussions where we have Some of our other ministers involved as well. Some of them work on Wednesday nights and are not able to be here, but I enjoy hearing um, the uh, The advice uh, the thoughts the wisdom uh, we have a lot of great people in this church that have a lot of wisdom and, uh, and For young men, uh, I believe these two that are with us tonight and, and I think you would agree also sharing that wisdom. I have grown to have great confidence in their advice, I've watched them. Uh, they've allowed me to kind of guide them in certain areas, but to be quite honest with you, it's not, they, neither one of them have, need, have needed really much of my guidance. Uh, they, uh, they're just naturally um, born to this, it seems like, and they're students of the word, and they care and love the people in this church. And so tonight we're gonna get into three topics. Um, we're going to have Brother Christian Anglin talking with us about dealing with rejection uh, when we witness. Uh, I think most of us have dealt with that to a certain extent and most of us are fearful in some way, shape, or form of rejection. He's going to deal with that. I'm going to deal with uh, living with an unsaved spouse and then Brother uh, Bryce Jones is going to wrap it up and talk about the do's and don'ts of social media. And so uh, without any further ado I'm going to turn it over to Brother Anglin let him get started uh, so we can get on uh, with this. There's a few people that wanted to be here tonight that are not able due to sickness or work or whatever and we are going to try to put this out on our podcast. We don't typically do that on our Wednesday nights but I think this might be a, a good one. And if you have any uh, points or questions that, that you would like to interject Tonight, feel free. And if you do, though, uh, I am going to hand you a microphone because I want your question or your comment uh, to be able to be recorded in case uh, we would like to have it on the podcast. All right? So, uh, Brother Anglin, why don't you take it away and lead off tonight with dealing with rejection?
1: All right. I do find it very fitting. Um, They asked the youth pastor, uh, now two times dad. and salesman by profession, to talk about rejection. <laughs> I am, uh, at this point, I'm an expert at being told no. Uh, but in, in series tonight, rejection is a, a horrible feeling, uh, leads many of us to burnout, uh, it, it leaves us feeling defeated, um, Oftentimes, it ultimately leads us away from our task at hand, um, just due to that, that overwhelming emotion we feel uh, when being rejected. So with that, uh, being rejected as a Christian while trying to bring people to Jesus is a very real, very serious, and very worthy concern uh, that we should discuss. We should have conversations about uh, amongst ourselves as, as the church body. And so as we do that tonight, uh, I would like to break these into a few key points for you. Uh, but to start, let's talk about what the Bible says about our rejection and witnessing. So if you would, grab your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 10, and verse 16 is where I will be reading from. And as you turn there, uh, if you're taking notes tonight, this first, this first uh, point I will make is the rejection we receive, as Christians when witnessing, is not our rejection to carry. When we are rejected, while witnessing and, and conducting ourselves in a godly way, trying to reach those around us. It is not a rejection of ourselves. It is a rejection of Jesus Christ. And so Luke 10, uh, verse 16, and I'm reading from the NLT version uh, for easy reading, says, then he said to his disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. When we witness, we fulfill our duty as a disciple of Christ by bringing someone closer to Jesus Christ. Um, Not that that is an easy task in in any way, uh, but this is the extent of our obligation in the process of someone else's salvation. We witness and we are fulfilling our duty as the disciple of Christ. So this is evident in Luke chapter 10, which we have just read. Uh, Jesus tells his followers to go and to spread the word And if the people receive it, he tells his disciples to bless them. And if they don't, verse 10 and 11 tells us uh, to shake our feet of the dust of that place. So very um, almost harsh words from Jesus Christ when it comes to witnessing. He says, if they receive me, if they receive you, good on them, let's bless them. And if they don't, there's nothing more you can do about it, forget it, it's over. Shake the dust off your feet and continue on. So we are not responsible tonight for how people respond to God. It is simply our job to get them to God. And that is what witnessing is about. So with that, our text tells us that when people receive the word, they receive Jesus, and when they reject you or what you say, they're rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting Jesus who is in you. So to say it simply tonight, I will say this. When you are rejected in witnessing, it is not a rejection of you as a person. If you are having a conversation about Jesus Christ with someone, uh, they obviously entrust you enough that they're willing to have that conversation with you. And so more often than not, it has nothing to do with you as a person, it has nothing to do with you as a Christian, they're rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting the message, what the word of God says, or whatever it is that you are are dealing with them on. So it's Jesus who is being rejected. So please do not take no's or no-shows. Uh, when it comes to the house of God or, or changes in someone's life as personal rejection. Uh, even though I know that's much easier said than done. Uh, if you've ever been told <laughs> no in regards to witnessing or trying to bring someone to Jesus Christ, you understand that it's demoralizing. Um, it's embarrassing sometimes. It's, it's hard to deal with. And so I do not want to minimize any emotion or anyone who feels as if they've been hurt by being uh, told no. But I do want you to understand tonight that the rejection you feel has nothing to do with you and everything to do with Jesus, all right? Uh, so witnessing to people is about using our relationships with others to create a relationship between others and Jesus. If we do that, there is no reason for us to be discouraged or feel bad about people's responses uh, to our spreading the good word. So it's not. this is not me saying to give up or not care when we are rejected but rather I am saying that we are not to carry the burden of other people's lack of relationship with Jesus when we have done our part in sharing the Word of God with them. Make sense to everybody tonight? So rejection is not necessarily about you. It is more so about Jesus Christ.
0: Brother Christian, do you mind if I give an yeah, analogy here? Absolutely. As well... Um, working for the company that i work for there's been a lot of times where if i've made a mistake you know my customer comes at me and i i do take it more personally and i feel more responsibility Uh, For the mistake because it was uh, maybe say, okay, I overlooked a package and and, uh, I wound up delivering it at 2 o'clock in the afternoon when it was supposed to be there by typically 9.30 in the morning, 10 o'clock in the morning. uh, And I would walk up and I would take that very personally and and feel very badly for that because it was my mistake. But there's been other times when, uh, you know, due to weather related uh, things or mechanical breakdowns or whatever, that it was not my fault per se that the FedEx package didn't make it on time. Uh, you know, the plane came in late and we all got a late start. Well, you can't just make up time. You know, you can go as quickly as you can, but there are some days when it's beyond our capability to 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 make it right, to make it on time. And so uh, that customer may, may still be upset and take it out on me but i feel a little bit different about it i may apologize and tell them you know why it happened whether they take that apology well or not that's completely up to them but but i i like what he's saying here is you know when we are dealing with witnessing to people you know as a pastor i think i've never been lied to more in my life than when i became pastor Mm -hmm. you know because I invite people all the time. My wife invites folks to our church all the time. And, and sometimes people just, we don't get a chance to invite them. They just say, you know what, I, I, I'm going to come down to your church and check it out. You know, I, look for me next Sunday. And, yeah. and, and next Sunday comes don't along and, and I'm looking for Sunday. them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am looking for them. You know, the anybody else have people promise that, that you're coming? That they're coming and not show up? Sure. It happens all the time and so there is a dealing uh, a feeling of rejection sometimes when it comes to things like that but uh, I appreciate what you're putting into the lesson tonight that you know it's not that it doesn't hurt it's not that it doesn't sting but I think that it's important for us to understand that it's not really us that's being rejected Mm -hmm.
1: all right so continuing on uh, our our next point I'll I'll pose a question instead of giving you a point. How many of you in here um, have a, a witnessing mentality, a heart for people you want to see the church grow? I do. Uh, I would love to walk in next Wednesday and not have a place to sit. Um, that would be man. great. Um, if we could you know, get this new building up, I don't know, next week, that'd be great. <laughs> Won't complain a yeah. bit. Uh, but with that, witnessing is difficult. Everybody agree? It is hard to be an effective witness, and so um, just for uh, a quick moment here, I want to give you a, a couple things that instantly came to my mind when it came to improving our approach to witnessing. So if you find as if you, you have a heart for people, you want to reach people, uh, but that conversation is difficult, um, hopefully these will help. And so the first point I want to give to you tonight uh, is that when you begin to witness to someone, ask questions intentionally. When you decide to ask a question, uh, and this is something we learn as as salesmen as well, uh, do not ask a yes, no question unless you want a yes, no answer. (laughs) If you just straight up ask someone, hey, will you come to church with me on Sunday, and they say no, where do you go from there? And so you wanna make sure the questions you ask are methodical, um, they're arranged in a way that you can continue conversation, you can continue to work with that person even on the spot even in a slight moment of rejection. Uh, so make sure that we ask our questions intentionally. We're going somewhere when we ask them, uh, that there's always maybe a loophole on the backside. Um, you know, when you're witnessing to someone, let's try not to use that as a debate. Let's use that as a, an opportunity to show God's love. Okay, we can, we can go into theology and things like that as we get further into their walk with Jesus Christ. Um, but make sure we are intentional with that. The second point I'll give you when it comes to witnessing. Uh, you know, I think we've gotten kind of to the, the point in Christianity where we don't want to be too personal because that's uncomfortable. Having said that, we need to make sure that when we witness to someone, it's a personal encounter. Whenever you go to witness to someone, it's okay to, to acknowledge issues that they may be having or difficulties in their life that they may be facing. If they tell you, you know what, I know I need Jesus Christ, I've been struggling with depression, then maybe the best approach would be you know, why don't you come to a Bible study? Why don't you come to my church? Why don't you sit down and have a conversation with me? Our church is full of, of peace and love, and the people here have been through depression. We know what it's like, and so today, instead of offering you a, a brand new Bible and a pat on the back, why don't I pray with you, and let's get mm-hmm. you to a peaceful state? Yeah. You find areas that you know they're struggling in. Again, it's about them. This is a personal encounter. And you bring that into their mind to begin to witness to them in that way opposed to just let's make sure we get them through the door. That's important, yes. But it's about them. So appeal to their interests, appeal to their senses. Uh, Relationships matter. And so I'll ask you this. Whenever you're witnessing, uh, when you begin that difficult ask or you begin that question about Jesus Christ or whether they'll come to church with you or whatever, do you have a relationship with them before the encounter? Secondly, will you still have a relationship with them after the encounter? Whenever we approach someone about Jesus Christ, we need to do it in a way that hopefully we've built a relationship and after we're done, there'll still be a relationship there. We do not, although the word of God is absolute, it is right all the time, uh, that is not the the proper time to take your Bible and throw it at their head and say, hey, listen here, all right? You want to make sure you can maintain that relationship. You want to make sure that 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 communication... Uh, stays open. So, we are not to be people over the head with our Bibles or make people uncomfortable with brash, in-your-face answers or questions. A perfect example of this. uh, Once a month, we have a hyphen group here at our church, which is the 18 to 30-ish, we say, age group. And we have uh, a number of people that come to this group that are not here tonight. They love God. um, They have their own belief system. They love us. They enjoy the fellowship. But they're not here tonight. They haven't completely conformed or adapted to our way of thinking. And so one approach would be like, hey, this is, this is for our church. Don't come in here with your other church stuff and try to, no, this is our, but that's not witnessing, is it? And so we, what we've done is we've created an environment where, you know what, you can come, and you don't go to our church, and when you leave, you still feel as loved and as welcome as when you came in. Yes. Because if we want to continue to work on them every month at Hyphen and and show them what the Word of God says, we have to make sure we keep that, that communication open. We have to make sure we're building a relationship right. instead of ruining it um, with, with brash or, or uh, snide remarks about our faith or Christianity. So uh, I'll close very quickly. I know I'm, I'm taking some time here. When told no, how do we move forward? And just a simple list for you here. Uh, keep Jesus the center and remember witnessing is about building his kingdom. It's not about a personal gain. It's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ in rejection and in winning. Uh, Keep the relationship going, whether they come or not. Keep that window open. Appeal to them in a new way. If you've been told no before, find a different way. Work in a different way. Recognize they still need Jesus. Don't give up on people. And lastly, I'll leave this as encouragement for you. First, Uh, Corinthians 15 and 58. And I'll just paraphrase it uh, for you. It basically says know that your work is not done in vain. Yes. That the Lord knows exactly what you're doing and He sees it and it, it doesn't go unnoticed. There will be a reward for it. So if you find yourself witnessing and you feel as if it has not gone uh, the direction you want it to yet, know that, that God sees it and God's working in it uh, and uh, a season of growth is coming for you and for this church. Amen. Any, any of this Brother Glenn. I wanted to add one thing all with that, and that is praying in advance for the people that you work with, for Absolutely. the people that you're around, and even when they reject you. The Bible says if men despitefully use you or, or speak wrongfully, to pray for them, Absolutely. to pray good for them, but especially people that you're around all the time. Because the Lord himself is the evangelist that has come to seek and to save. That's right. And you just continue to show them love and know that he is working. Just keep the Lord where they are in prayer.
0: Amen. Very good. Thank you, Brother Glenn. I um, was uh, taken back to a situation a few years ago when we were at family camp up in Bloomington. And I think probably, some of the most tenacious people that that I've ever met are people that beg for money, and uh, you know they get told no a lot. A lot of people don't, you know, just roll down their windows and tell them no. They just don't roll down their windows at all and keep on moving. And uh, we pulled out of our hotel room, and there's always a spot down there where there's somebody um, looking for a handout. And most of the time, you know, the traffic keeps on going; it's, it's not even an issue. But I pulled up next to this guy and um, he was obviously homeless and he had a sign out, you know, and you see, you've seen all the signs, you know, homeless vet, all, all this, you know, trying to get to some so-and-so or everything that's out there. But I had never seen a sign like this guy had. And he said, um, yell at a homeless man, only one dollar. <laughs> And I got tickled, I was laughing, and I, I, read, I read his sign, yelled at a young homeless man, only one dollar. And uh, so he started saying something to me, and I rolled down my window. And, and he said, I made you laugh, didn't I? I said, buddy, I don't have a, a, a stitch of cash on me, but if you're here, when I come back tomorrow, I said, I promise you, I'm going to have some money for you. I said, that's funny. And uh, he he got so tickled at me getting tickled at him, and and I thought you know about this. Sometimes you know, uh, your first approach may not be the best approach, and there's times when you know you maybe need to change up, especially with different types of personalities that you're dealing with. And I'm sure there were a lot of people that just disregarded him and went on about their way and ignored that sign, but something about that got to me and I thought, this guy, he's witty. And the next day when I drove past, I made sure I handed that guy a few dollars. I I thought that was worth a chuckle to me, you know, pay that guy a few dollars. And uh, if I'd have lived there, I'd probably developed a friendship with him. I I think I did tell him, make sure you go to a Pentecostal church right down the road here. You know, I tried to send him in the right direction. So uh, my topic tonight is basically on witnessing uh, but not with maybe strangers or coworkers, but uh, possibly uh, you know, the most important person in your life, and that is your spouse. Uh, uh, I know that there are folks in here, uh, fortunately we have a lot of families that are uh, connected, you are whole, but there are people that are in this place uh, that you're serving the Lord all by yourself, either your husband or your wife, they, they don't serve the Lord, and uh you you go home and maybe your children don't serve the lord and and you may be the only one in your family uh but i'm going to talk tonight about you know dealing with living with an unsaved spouse you know and what the bible has to say about these kinds of things my wife could probably teach this segment much better than i could because she actually was Uh, very small, but she grew up in a house uh, for a little while where her mother and father were not on the same spiritual page. And uh, so she came from that kind of a situation. Uh, And her father not only successfully survived, their marriage not only successfully uh, uh, survived an unequally yoked uh, relationship, but eventually he succeeded. And seeing Lisa's mother come to know the Lord and uh, the fullness of truth receiving the full gospel, Acts 2.38 message. Now if you were to meet my mother-in-law today you would never dream that she came out of a different type of a denomination. You would think that she would probably raised and that she is a beautiful, holy, loving, apostolic lady. And, uh, and it's amazing what the Lord has done in her life. So let me first say say this um, my segment, if you are in this situation tonight or maybe even to the point that you're maybe a child that's living in a home that you're the only one living for the Lord, you have my utmost respect tonight. I'm going to go home tonight and my wife and and my my children and my grandchildren, they are all, you know, they are apostolic. Uh, You know, uh, uh, my grandchildren are Really, pretty young uh, to have received the Holy Ghost, but I fully expect that there's coming a time. Easton is already, you know, there's an interest there. There's a hunger that that's beginning to develop in him uh, for the things of God, and you know, so I don't, I don't have to deal with the things that some of you have to deal with when you go home. I go home my wife supports me. She'll tell me uh, what a great job I did when I uh, preaching, you know, last Sunday when when I feel like I've fallen apart, you know, I have I have a wife that supports everything that I do on a spiritual level. I have a wife that prays for our children. I have sons-in-laws and daughters-in-laws that are married to my children that that are supportive, and and now my grandchildren are being raised to know and to love this truth. And so I commend you to here today that have to live this life. You know, in homes that aren't supportive of the way that you live. Um, the Bible is very clear on unequally yoked marriages. So as a pastor, I never recommend that um, a person look for a spouse or even date someone that is uh outside of the church that's that's not on the same spiritual wavelength and and i think that uh i have seen times yes where somebody will date somebody that's not in the church and they will get in the church and there are times when that does work out however i've seen a lot of disastrous uh, relationships a lot of hard times hard years come from uh, relationships that are not founded on the same spiritual principles. And so uh, I think that it's always good that as leadership, as a church, that we take the stance that if you are looking to be in a relationship or looking to get married that you look for somebody that's uh, Holy Ghost filled, that believes the Acts 2.38 message, that believes the full Gospel message, that lives a Holy lifestyle that's not uh, all about carnality, you know. Because if you are someone that that loves God and wants to serve God, then you need to find somebody else that loves God and wants to serve God at least as much, if not more, than you do. Right. All right? Okay, that's why I want the young people in here tonight. I want you to hear this. So, So, what do we do if a husband or wife? gets married, they're they're not in the church, and all of a sudden one of them does get in the church and the other refuses to. Doesn't want anything to do with it. They get married and the spouse doesn't follow or want anything to do with the apostolic way that they have found. And I, I, I guarantee there's folks in here tonight that are in that situation where, you know, uh, maybe you weren't serving God at the time, uh, and you—you you, maybe you were away from the Lord. Maybe you had never known who Jesus Christ was, and, and you got married, and you were all, you weren't unequally yoked. You were, you know, both living sinful lifestyles, not living for the Lord. But all of a sudden, now here you are—you're living for God, but your spouse is not—not not living the same way that you are. So let me first say that if you're living in this kind of a situation that uh, I think that it is best to be very prayerful and I, I feel safe in going to the Word of the Lord. And that's what I really want us to deal with tonight in my part of this segment. I want us to see what the Word of the Lord uh, has to say about this kind of a situation. Um, let's look at what the Bible has to say in First Peter chapter 3. Um, the Scripture here is speaking to the wives, um, but this was a day and an hour when things were a little bit different uh, with men and women uh, than they are currently in our society today. So I believe that this, however it is speaking to the wives, it will fit for either spouse, husband or the wives. So 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, verses 1 and 2, it says, Wives... In the same way, submit yourself to your own husband so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words. I'm going to say that again. That's very important that we catch this so that if they do not believe the word, they may be won over. If you're here tonight and you have a spouse that is not serving the Lord, I think that it's probably your number one desire to see your spouse come to know who Jesus Christ is. But the Bible gives us some advice here. It says that they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Now, to me, this is kind of a mind-blowing thing to to realize that the Word of God is giving us advice that we are not going to win over our spouse with what we say, but if if there is a possibility of winning them over, it's going to be by what we do and the way that we live our lives for Christ before them alright? What we say never has as much impact as how we act and how we live. I can talk of uh, all day long about, I'm the pastor of Landmark Apostolic, and I love Jesus Christ, and I do this, and I pay my tithes, and I give in offerings, and I go to church whenever the church doors are open. But if I'm not living a life that is righteous and holy, if I, my witness to the community is bad, and I don't treat people right, and I cheat my neighbor, and I do all these other things, I can say everything that is right and live everything that is wrong, and my witness to this community. My children, my spouse, this church is for naught. It's worthless if I'm not living it. I know both of these uh, young men that sit uh, here on either side of me tonight. They've got great marriages. Uh, I'm very invested in their marriages. (laughs) (laughs) Very concerned, uh, uh, you know, with making sure that their marriages are good and, and right and correct, you know, and... And uh, uh, their wives are good, and as good people, and they've got beautiful families. You know, they've given me uh, three grandsons and one granddaughter, and I'm man, that's just like all. It's just a beautiful thing, and I know and listen, and I'm a part of their lives, and we go on vacations together sometimes, and we have supper together, and and I watch how they interact with my daughters, and and I watch how my daughters interact with them, and and it's a lot of fun, you know, and uh, they remind me a lot of when Lisa and I were younger, and the little, uh, you know, fun spats that we would get into, nothing serious, but, you know, they've got both their own minds, but their marriages are good, and they're put together, and they, they work together with their spouses. And, and But I can tell you this much about both of these men. They have limitations. And if either one of my daughters were to begin to badger either one of them and try to badger them and, and annoy them and pester them into doing something that they weren't really interested in doing, even if they were to do what one of my daughters was badgering them to do in their heart I know that there'd be part of them that would want to push back. I'm doing this to keep the peace not because I really want to do this. And there's a complete difference in doing something because you want to do it and doing something because you've been badgered into doing it. Sure. And I'm saying that to say this, I've, not, I've never seen that take place in their families and if it does don't let me know about it i just want to keep thinking you got perfect marriages perfect. going on here <laughs> and uh but but if uh if it were to ever take place there would begun and begin to be problems in the marriage just like there would be if a wife or a husband badgered their their spouse you need to come to church why won't you come to church you know and there's one thing about about talking about the Lord and talking about what a great church service. If someone is receptive, but there is the, the, there's there's different kinds of no's. You were talking about rejection. There's different kinds of no's. There's the slam the door in your face kind of no, and there's the kind of no that is more like a maybe just not right now kind of no. How many of you have ever had a, a good salesman? come up to you and approach you and you said no and 15 minutes later you were you were laying the shelling out the money you know because your no wasn't a real firm no you know That's the best way that we get to our unsaved spouses, is we begin to live it in front of them. And if we can live it in front of them, it will create a hunger. If there's any spiritual sensitivity in them at all, if there's any spiritual hunger. Now, I'm not saying that it's going to work every time, because there are some people out there that just absolutely do not want anything to do with God. And I don't know what to do about somebody like that. But if you can pray that God will open their heart, soften their heart, and then live it in front of them you the bible says are the salt of the earth and salt makes me thirsty if i have salty food the next thing i want is not too much longer after that my wife and i today we left a restaurant and, and 15 minutes later she looked over at me she said i am so thirsty but the food that we had had a lot of seasoning on a lot of salt on it and we both wound up going someplace and and getting a soda or something to drink to to quench our thirst. And that's what we need to become as the spouse that is saved. We need to be the salt in that family to create the thirst and the hunger for Jesus Christ. Peter said our greatest tool in winning over a spouse that isn't on the same page is accomplished without words. Verse 3 and 4. Let's go on. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading, a unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Hear me now, save spouse. A gentle and a quiet spirit is not easy to accomplish when you are frustrated, is it? I'm not saying that what the Word of God is telling us to do is an easy thing to do because we are impatient. It's kind of like when you taste something for the first time that just tastes so good you can't believe that you've never had it before. And and if you're in my family and it's my wife that has tasted it, she wants you to taste it too, does she not, gentlemen? (laughs) Oh, no, you got to taste this. It's right up in your face. I mean, you really don't have much of a choice. You might be trying to turn your face, but she wants you to taste it and see that it is good. <laughs> but sometimes, they're not ready to bite. <laughs> right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, A spouse won't be won over by bribing them. It won't be won over by manipulating them. It won't be won over by bargaining or badgering or any other outward appeal that we can come up with. But there is an internal spirit that dwells in the child of God that will do more than anything else you can say or you can ever do. Allowing that quiet spirit of God to begin to minister through you to that loved one that's in your home. All right. There's a fruit of the Spirit that I kind of came up with. This is not really Biblical, this is Douglical, okay? Um, A fruit of the Spirit that isn't talked about very often, that would help a lot of times in a great way called the the Spirit of (laughs) shh of not saying what you feel like saying. (laughs) <laughs> I'm striking a nerve here, getting nervous laughter. There's times when you, your carnality wants to rise up and you just want to read in the riot act and you're right. You're right in what you're going to say or what you feel like saying. You're very right and you may even have the word of God backing you up. But let the fruit of the spirit of shh come over you Because most of the time, that unsaved spouse knows that you're right. But there's a spirit that's dwelling on them, that's rebelling against the spirit that is trying to reach them. We'll never win over our spouse by preaching at them. Doesn't mean that you have to compromise, doesn't mean mean that you have to become a doormat, but even the world knows that we win more friends with sweet things than bitter things, right? Right? Let me tell you my uh, father-in-law and mother-in-law's story here real quick. So they got married at a pretty young age. Uh, wasn't a year later, and they had this beautiful little daughter by the name of Lisa Michelle. And uh, my father-in-law had come from a background of Pentecost. The only uh, religion that really he'd been exposed to as a child was in Pentecostal church. And he remembered what he felt. So when the time came, he was finally, you know, he's married, he's maturing, now he's starting a family. You know, God began to deal with his heart. So he went back to where he knew what he felt and he began to seek after the Holy Ghost. Well, my mother-in-law, she came from a very different religious background and was pretty devout in her own uh, religion. And, and let me just say this, we never get anywhere either witnessing to a spouse or, or somebody else by downing their relationship that they do have with God. Yes. It's never a good idea to say, listen, you know, what you're doing, you're so far out there and you're so messed up and all. No, you, you build on what they already have. You take what they have and you begin to build on them. That, that's, that's a biblical principle, you know. Uh, you know, they came and explained to him uh, more perfectly the word, uh, the Bible says. And, and then later on, you know, that same person was, was baptized. And, and, and there was a progress that took several people sometimes. And, and so we never help ourselves and our witness, especially with our spouses, by belittling their relationship or anything that they have or their, their religion that they're in. But we do help them out by leading them into more truth showing them the Word of God. And so, anyway, uh, it began to develop a lot of problems in the family. He, uh, I, I called him up. I said, give me the story. Tell me again how this all went down. I think I've got it. And so, he began to tell me how how things happen. There was a lot of turmoil in, in this new marriage and now they had this baby and he, he was trying to work and, and, and you know you know how it goes when you, you're just getting married. Everything is new and you live off love for a little while and then the reality of everything sinks in and the responsibility sinks in and, and things start you know buckling. So he goes and he starts seeking for the Holy Ghost, gets the Holy Ghost. Uh, in the Pentecostal uh, religion. He wants her to have it. He wants her to come along. She said, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't know anything about that. I've been raised a different way. And, and so he's very adamant. Uh, he wants her to, to come. And she said, I'm not doing it. And, and it created such a divide that it began to put a huge strain on their marital relationship to the point he went his way and she went hers. And and they uh, split the time up. One Sunday, my wife would go with her mother uh, to her church. And the next Sunday, would go with her father to his church. And so for four years, um, the pressure was on with him trying to get her to go his direction. Until finally, he just decided, you know what? What I'm doing is not working. And he just went quiet with it. And he said, I'm not going to ask you anymore. But I'm going to do what I know is right. And I'm going to go to this church. And we'll just have to, you know, split the time up with our daughter. And so it was at at that time when he began to back off that she had more of a hunger in her heart for the things of God than I think anybody realized. And when he backed off and there wasn't such a, a, a pressure on her... She began to see the change that was going on in him, and as he quieted down, she was able to focus more upon the God that was working in him than than him just trying to pressure her to do something that, that she didn't feel was the right thing to do. And she began to look at her own surroundings and where she was going to church, and she began to see things that were lacking, things that she began to desire, and as those things began to take place, she began to get more and more and more hungry, and she began to ask Questions. well don't we all know that once we ask, ask the question then it's okay to give the answer. Yes. Nobody likes to be, have the answer shoved down the throat when they're not asking the question. Right? right? right. So she began to ask the questions and, and the next thing you know after the pressure had been off for a little while and she began to hunger more and more after God she eventually was led to the same Pentecostal church that my father-in-law was going to. She was baptized, filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And 50-some-odd years later, here we are. They've got all four of their children uh, that, that are saved, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. I'd love to show you a picture, but it's already outdated. There's about seven, seven kids, uh, great-grandchildren that are not able to be in that picture. But if you look at that, you'll see an apple that was started by a man that, that began to live for God was not able to be changed, but finally came to the understanding that the best way that he was going to win his spouse over was just by simply backing off, becoming quiet, and letting the Lord move through him, and that's the way it works. Now, I, I will say it took several years. It didn't happen overnight. Don't become impatient. Don't become impatient. All right. Very quickly, let me jump down to verse number 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Alright. So very, very quickly, I'd just like to say you know, the, the word is speaking to the husbands that they need to be considerate of their wives. Treat their wives with respect. Understand that that they are the, the physically weaker partner uh, in that partnership of marriage and realize that they are a, a, a gift from God. And then the word finally takes it to the ultimate and includes everyone in verses 8 and 9. It says finally all of you be, like, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. So the concept that was basically given to the wife then passed on to the husband here, then the word began to say, really, this is good for everybody in every aspect right. of your life. Right. You know, it's not just about winning over a spouse, although wouldn't that be incredible you know to to have your family whole serving and living for god but do it in a quiet gentle way and let the lord speak through you and then as the lord speaks through you let him speak through you until you're like that with not just your spouse but with everybody that you try to witness to amen god bless you tonight any questions or comments on this segment
1: i'll i'll add something very quickly more just uh (laughs) More of a nugget of wisdom um, for our young people. So parents, grandparents that are here tonight, just just so you're aware, in our class, we talk about relationships often. Um, Relationships, especially in a romantic relationship, are very important. Um, I, not in a, a harmful way in any way, but I push our young people to seek out godly relationships. Right. I want our young ladies to find good, godly young men I want our young men to find good, godly young ladies and form connections with them. And you know, I would never push them into something outside of, uh, you know, your your wishes or your rules in your home for relationships or anything like that. But that is that's an important part of life. And if we do not monitor our relationships and do not put our young people in the godly ones, they fall into ungodly ones, um, within our wishes or without them sometimes. To be honest with you, and so it's important for us to have those connections. But young people, I'll give you this this little bit of of wisdom tonight make sure that we are aligning uh not just in a, in a way being spiritually equally yoked but make sure we are aligning our futures with those we give our hearts to mm-hmm. when you enter a relationship even as young as you may be uh when you first start having an interest in, in, in uh young ladies or young men or whatever the case may be make sure that you are looking at your future as well uh if you are not careful you can find yourself in a relationship with a young man or a young woman who loves God, but you feel called to ministry, and they do not. Come on. You feel a call to enter the missions field, and they say they're never leaving home. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And if you're not careful, you'll find yourself in a relationship that's supposed to be a godly one, that turns out to not be a godly one, because you've never communicated, you never talked, you never thought about what the future holds in your relationship. So when we talk about being married or saving our spouse, if we're not careful, once we're married as Christians, we create an environment in our home where there's resentment and anger and frustration because we're on two completely different uh, spiritual levels. And so we need to make sure even within the church that we promote relationships uh, that are godly, that are, are centered on the same thing, our futures are aligning with each other, uh, unhappy marriages do create salvation problems, uh, even within the church. I'm sure if we went around the room, we all know someone who was in church, had marital issues, and is no longer mm-hmm. in, in the body. And so it's important for us to, to do that. But I will say this also for our young people bad relationships now create Christian regrets later. Yes. I know you think that, you know, I'll sell down later. But there's parts of you that you give away now that you can never give back. And so when we're talking about resentment and having good godly relationships and having spouses in, in the body of Christ and things like that, remember that, okay? Remember that uh, with bad decisions, bad relationships now come regrets later.
0: All three of us have served as youth pastors. That was a long time ago for me not so long for Brother Anglin and, and currently Brother Christian is, is serving in it. But I always said to our young people, uh, you need to try to be the type of Christian that you are seeking. I see a lot of people that, you know, they, they want a good, they want to run around, you know, uh, the guys, they want to, they want to run, run around and date, whoever they want to date. But when they get ready to settle down, then they look for the, the greatest Christian young lady that they can find and they want to latch onto her because they know that she's steady that she's she's good that she's not going to run around on them that you know and i've thought you know you don't deserve that good godly young lady you know and i'll, I'll be quite honest with you as a pastor i want to protect Right. our young people against the wolves that are out there and and it's not just all he wolves there's some she wolves out there that will come after our young men as well you know and so you need to keep yourselves locked into god and yourselves guarded because i promise you god has the right person out there for you yes he does. Amen. and until the right person comes along brother joe uh, Sister Joe and Brother Gwen, right. when the right person comes along, it, it's, it's going to be settled and it's going to be a good thing. Yes. Right?
1: Yes.
0: Amen. Amen. Don't jump ahead of God. I, I'm very excited about this last portion of uh, social media do's and don'ts uh this is something i think is a critical item that we need to talk about you know social media has become the rage in our society i'm gonna turn it over to brother jones brother jones wrap us up tonight with social media
2: yeah and i'm amazed at how this is kind of all kind of flown or gone, gone together uh tonight. even dealing with the social media aspect we talked about witnessing witnessing to your spouse and it's like witnessing to the world, right? So we're gonna talk about social media and I'll be very conscious of time. I, I, I don't wanna to take too long. But who's on Facebook? Oh yeah. Raise your hand. Who's not
0: on Facebook? Who's
2: on Twitter? Yeah. Farmersonly.com.
0: <laughs> it's all one. MySpace. We got any MySpace users out there? <laughs>
2: MySpace. So this is not gonna be like a, like a bash session on social media. Um, no, There's a lot of good yeah, things yeah, exactly. go there on, are, on social media. There we are a lot to... of people there are a lot of people who think that if you are on social media, uh, that you should just throw that garbage away. That if you're a Christian, you have no business being, being on those platforms. And that's not what this segment is about. That's not what I want to talk about because I believe, and I have seen that there is a lot of good that does come from Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, etc. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a strong proponent of Christians utilizing social media platforms. Right. I, I have seen the gospel of Jesus Christ shared and embraced All right. Right. by me social media platforms. But that's one thing that you've got to remind yourself of is... you got to remind yourself that it is, it is a platform, all right? It is a raised level surface on which people stand and can be viewed more clearly. I, I see so many things that pe- I, I just wonder, like, do they think they have no followers? <laughs> do they think that they're not connected to anybody, all right? Um, social media, is, it's, it's a two-edged sword, all right? It could be used for great good, and it could be used for great harm. And I've seen both sides of that. And, and when, I think about, when I think about the life of a Christian, or just when I think of the word Christian, it also makes me think of another word, and that word is leader. Leader. Leadership. All of us in here tonight, we are all leaders. Whether you agree with me or not, all of us in here, no matter how old or how young, If we call ourselves followers of Christ we should all aspire to lead other people okay and here's the here's the thing about leadership leadership is going to be challenged because God demands that it be tested it's going to be challenged all right you might be surprised how many people watch you on social media If you would stop and think, you would probably be shocked at how many people, you might be surprised how many people you influence negatively or positively on social media. Why? Because you are a leader, all right? You have influence, you have an audience. It is a platform that you are standing on and can be viewed more clearly. all right. First Timothy paints a, a, a great picture of leadership as it pertains to the Christian life. And, and again, if any of us aspire to lead others, which we all should, we must take the contents of Scripture to heart and evaluate our lives from the inside out. And I think that we should do the same with our social media posts. All right. That's not something separate. This is just the day and hour that we live in. This is, uh, you know, people say, oh, that's garbage. No, I believe that if it existed back in the day, I think the disciples would have definitely been on social media. All right. Absolutely. All right. So, so um, basically the question is this. When we're when we're We're looking at the scriptures and we're kind of evaluating our lives from the inside out and we we kind of look at social media and we're evaluating that from the inside out. Basically the question is this. What does your social media say about you? Mm -hmm. What does it say? about you and if you're if you're wanting that question why don't you just kind of scroll back through your feed just just take some time and go back through the last year two years some of you are like may i could do that in five minutes because i post zip and that's fine i'm not saying you have to post every three minutes all right uh there are those that do but uh you know take some time go back through and evaluate it okay because that's the question and i want that to kind of you to be thinking about that as i'm uh in my segment here tonight what does your social media say about you first timothy chapter three it, it, it lists out the qualifications of bishops and and bishops and elders they served as overseers or supervisors uh, supervisors of the congregation, and another role uh, you might hear of is is the role of deacon. All right, and deacons they performed at sort of an auxiliary uh, leadership role within the churches, and their requirements for Christian service were remarkably similar to the requirements of that of a bishop. Uh, here's what's interesting these obligations are not notably different from what would generally be expected from all Christians Mm -hmm. all right whether you have the you have the role or not it's the same requirements It, it they're not notably different so so let me jump in this real quick first Timothy three and two it says now the overseer is to be above reproach Faithful to his wife, temperate, self-control, respectable, hospital, able to teach. Above reproach. Again, what does your social media say about you? Well, let's ask ourselves, are my posts above reproach? Are my, what I'm putting out there for the world to see is that phrase, is that, GIF is that meme. Is it above reproach? What does above reproach mean? The, de- the, 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 the definition reproach is shame or disgrace or that which brings rebuke or severe disapproval upon a person. All right? We're talking about above reproach. Their work for the church as well as their interactions with others are to be of such moral quality that they do not bring shame or in any way disgrace to the body of Christ or the name of Jesus Christ. I know we're all aware of this, but as a reminder, yes, you are a representative of this church, but you are also a representative of Jesus Christ. Yes. Inside these four walls and outside these four walls, we represent the king in our life, Mm -hmm. in our daily life, in our – and not just on social media, but how we interact in public, how we – pump our gas. I mean, in, in all things, we represent. I remember when I was working with, for Lowe's, and um, there w- there was a time where people, after their shift, they'd like to go over to Buffalo Wild Wings and, and have a meal together. And And I remember there was an argument or something that took place, and I remember being called into my human resources office over something that was said at the table that night. And it blew me away that I found out that I was Uh, I wasn't guilty, but that somebody, even though they are off there, they're not on the clock. They are not working for Lowe's. They are not, they're just on their free time. But something said on their free time could still get them fired. Why? Because they were still a representative of a company. Right. You are a representative, not of a company, but of a king. All right. And you've got to remind yourself of that, that so many times we get behind our cellular devices and we think, that's just me.
0: I'm invisible. (laughs) That's just
2: me. I'm not. I mean, you see a lot of Internet tough guys out there, right? And people that you, you know, people that would say stuff, they would never say that face to face. Yeah. But now all of a sudden they get behind that keyboard and their thumbs just do the work. And, and, but we got to remind ourselves that we are a representative of Jesus Christ, all right? And we ought not do anything that would bring shame to his name,
1: right.
2: that would bring disapproval to his name.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I know you've heard it said before that your life might be the only Bible that people get to read, and I'll take it a step further, your social media might be the only Jesus that people get to see. That's right. It's kind of heavy, isn't it? Yeah. Heavy for me. Are your posts above reproach? Now, again, that doesn't, I'm not sitting up here on a high horse and, or anything like that. What, does that. what does that mean? It doesn't mean that you don't sin, all right? We're all sinners, right? We have all fallen short. That's not what above reproach means because we're all with sin. Above reproach means that your life is free from sinful habits or sinful behaviors that would impede setting the highest Christian standard and model for the follower to emulate you said it beautifully about the wife and how it's not what she says, it's what she does that would want the husband or vice versa to emulate those actions, to make their, let there be something that's stirred up in their hearts that say, I want what you have. The non-Christian world is watching. All right? Yeah. The non-Christian world is watching. Uh, um, and how sad it is that our witness could be compromised by our social media actions. Uh-huh. And it, it, it happens all the time, nonstop. And what really gets me when you get on there and it's Christians against Christians, I remind us again that the non-Christian world is watching. Right. Yeah. All right. When we say or write things that are below reproach, the world sees that, and you know what? The world comes to the conclusion that Christianity, all it is, is a bunch of hypocrites, it's a bunch of inconsistent people, and they are unworthy of emulating. Mm -hmm. They are unworthy of following. All we do is just become a comedy act for them. Oh, look what they're doing today. They're arguing again. They're, look what, can you look what that person wrote? And we become the laughing stock of a social media platform that I believe that could be used for great gain, could be used for revival, could be used right. for somebody reading a post and being so captivated by it that they come and be filled with the Holy Ghost, uh-huh. baptized in his name. It can happen. That's why, I mean, our church Facebook, I mean, that's why we put stuff out there like scripture of the day. I mean, we're not getting on there and be like, man, what a horrible day it is today, (laughs) right? And if you posted that today, I did not see it, all right? (laughs) I was just throwing that out there, all right? And here's another thing, and I gotta hurry up. You may not have even meant anything bad by it but did you know that you could be misunderstood often on social media? Get out of here. (laughs) I know that is like groundbreaking news. You could be misunderstood. It's just like texting somebody. If you don't put an exclamation point when you're texting me, I don't think you're excited at all. Mm -hmm. But you might be excited. But I can't tell. Right. We can be misunderstood. The people who are reading your posts, they usually cannot see your body language. They don't always know your humor. They don't always know your sarcasm rest assured you're safe with me i'm good with sarcasm so bring it on but the world may not see it and understand you might be misunderstood and here's my advice if you ever question if you ever have one question about something to post if you have one question don't post
0: it Mm -hmm. that's good advice. just
2: don't do it don't hit send all right it's that simple if you have one question about it, or how about this, and I've seen this, too many Christians are posting in the heat of emotional moments. Mm-hmm. This is usually never a good thing. Yeah, and I've heard you you mentioned this just here recently about people that are so they're caught up in the emotions, and your advice to them was hey, sleep it off. Mm-hmm. Hey, sleep it. Why don't you go home and get rest? Hear me tonight. If you're angry, if you're upset, if you're agitated, do yourself a favor and take a social media break. Yeah. All right, go on a social media fast. Do you know you could do that? It is possible. All right, get away from the thing because anything you say on social media is permanent. Mm-hmm. It's true. Can you, can you go back and delete it? Sure, but once somebody has seen it, you ever heard of a screenshot? You know, people do that and they just like kind of little reminders of, ah, oh, this was the time. Take a break because if you don't, you're probably going to regret it later. All right. Sure, you can go back and delete it, but it's, it's out there. And I go back to something uh, real quick, something Brother Nave, uh, the Illinois district Secretary, he shared this with us in a meeting just here recently, and he talked about he's talking about leadership, and he was talking about different different things, different tests that the leader will go through. And one test is the could versus should test. The could versus should test, and again, we'll all be tested. Our our, our leadership will be tested. Our character uh, will all be tested. All right, but the could versus should test, it it happens in the low moments. It happens in the emotional moments. And this test it kind of reveals our level of maturity how mature we are as a Christian and you're faced with the decision to make the right choice or the easy choice just because you can doesn't mean you should you can post anything you want to post you again I'm not trying to sit up here being the Facebook Twitter police officer tonight that's not my job Alright, I don't think it is, right? Okay. You can post anything you want. You can share anything you want. It doesn't mean you should. It doesn't mean you should. You can like anything you want. It doesn't mean you should. And let me say this, people look at that too. They oh, Let me pull up and see who liked this. Let's let, let's be careful. Let's put our guard up when it comes to social media, because there are things that get shared, and they may get shared from some website that you're not even. Let's review the all the content that that is on there. Again, we're trying to live our lives above reproach, and I don't want anything to come into question. Again, I don't want to be misunderstood. I don't want you to be misunderstood. There are some things that we have to just be very careful with and even down to what we are liking, what we, what we press that like or that heart button or that, you know, that laughing, that laughing emoji, whatever it, whatever it is, you got to be careful. Is this post above reproach? Again, I end with this. You might be surprised how many people are watching you on social media. You might also be surprised how many opportunities to share the gospel have been forfeited by unwise things that were posted on social media. Right. Let's, be, let's be kind. Let's be wise. How about this? Let's be Christ-like. Right. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the man posts or something like that.
0: Uh, great advice tonight wrap this up Uh, I I just was thinking you know growing up helping my grandfather out on the farm we'd be out on the tractor in the fields I'd come in I'd have dust all over me you could tell I'd been in the fields and we'd go milk the cows and out to the barn where you better have your boots on when you're walking through the the barn and uh, you got more stuff on you and maybe some hay was on you from feeding the cows and you went and checked the the chicken coop and you gathered up the eggs and you walked out of there and you had chicken feathers on the point i'm trying to make is every place i went left left some indication of where i had been and when I got up to the house, you could tell, well, he's been out in the chicken house because there's chicken feathers still on his shoulder and his hair. He's got the smell of the barn on his boots. He's he got dust all over his his, his clothing. And uh, you could tell every place that I've been. When you're on social media and you're not just posting, but you're liking things or you're posting things, and maybe there's nothing wrong with the post, but where, where you got the post from has some kind of a... Foul word or something that that is not Christ like in it, don't have anything to do with that because the stench of where you have been is going to linger upon you Come on. as other people are seeing what you have been involved with. It may have been innocent on your part, but I think we do ourselves a great justice if we will simply keep our guard against these things, not just for you as an individual but for us as a church congregation as well. I do want us to have a name that is above reproach, not just you but us, us together because they are trying to take us down. They, there are enemies out there that, that want to keep us, in, you know, away from what God wants us to do and it's tough enough without having all these other things coming into into play in our life. So just, I, I think that's a great way to end the lesson tonight. Uh, be very careful. Uh, I see posts out there, you know, and that shock me sometimes. I'm like, oh my word, you know, I really thought this person wouldn't be involved in something like this. Be cautious of what you do. As a matter of fact, you shouldn't be on the, the site in the first place or uh, connected as uh, certain things that are even having uh, to deal with that, you know, so just keep your guard up and stay safe, stay safe out on the social media networks out there for your own good, for the good of the church, and that we can, we can all make it to heaven together. I don't want to be the cause of somebody else not coming to Christ because of something that I did. I really don't. Amen. Why don't we bow our heads? We've taken a little extra time tonight. Let's just bow our heads in a word of dismissal. Jesus, we love you. We thank you tonight, God, for the... Wisdom of your word. We thank you tonight, Jesus, of the day and the hour in which we live. God, we have so many things that are at our disposal that can be used, God, to the good of the furtherance of your kingdom. But just as the hammer can drive the nail to build, Lord, it can also destroy things and can tear down things. God, it all depends upon how the user uses the tool. Help us to use our tools tonight that you've given us to build this kingdom. God, for you and for your glory in Jesus name we pray amen God bless you see everybody Sunday morning greet each other in Jesus name
2: thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast you can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family if you are ever in our area our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.